Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Hello? One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Welcome to Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Adkins, Team Legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. And Mike, it wouldn't be Red vs. Blue if we didn't talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament and the early departure, not for some of us, but for you, for your Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard that. Jama, Jama, Jama. Well, the one thing about it, Bob Huggins is a mastermind uh, when it comes to breaking down films because he took what South Carolina did and he just formatted it over and said, guys, this is what you need to do. The one-three-one defense with the big, the big guys in the middle, not tall guys, the six sevens, the six eight guys in the middle. They're long. They're not tall, they're long. Don't don't allow anything to go underneath and allow them to shoot the three because they cannot hit the three. And I said that a long time ago. I said it way back in January. I said if Kentucky gets into a, a position to where they have to shoot a three, they're in trouble. Congrats to West Virginia. Uh, congrats to uh, Duke, Butler, Michigan State, uh, and it's it's those four. It's those four. And, well, I'm going to expand on it later. Well, we are rooting for Butler up here in Indianapolis. The good thing about the Final Four weekend is that after that Final Four game, 
you know, let's say Butler takes out Michigan State. Well, there will be a lot of Michigan State fans that drove south uh, down to Indianapolis to, to see the game. They'll be selling their tickets, Mike. And who will yep. be outside to pick up those tickets from Michigan State fans? Butler fans. And so if Butler can beat Michigan State, that crowd, regardless of who they play, West Virginia or uh, Duke, either one, it'll be a big-time home court advantage for the Butler Bulldogs, who've been winning with, with defense, Mike, not offense. You would think if Butler right. was going to get to the finals, they'd win with offense. They've won it with defense, and boy, can they play defense. So really exciting. And, and you know, I'm just going to touch on the John Wall uh, story. Of, uh, 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 here you go. Well, well, one thing I want to say, Scott, <laughs> is uh, that Butler, uh, believe it or not, they're point-and-a-half favorite right now, and uh, it's hard to believe that I, I went through and I searched it out that all four of these teams that are in the Final Four, everybody is saying that, well, uh, you know, this is a weird Final Four. It's crazy Final Four. All four of these teams were preseason top ten, and that's crazy when you think about it. Yeah, Butler was actually expected to do big things, but John Wall for a second. You know, the the game that we saw against the Big East and the SEC last week, the, uh, the, the Elite Eight showdown between uh, Kentucky and West Virginia, I tell you, the game, John Wall, it was it was really a, a, a game of, 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 of size, a game of shooting, determination, and grit by West Virginia, John Wall. <laughs> and, and, you know, I heard Doug Gallup this morning talking about the first pick in the draft, and they were discussing John Wall, and he had a good point, you know, the, the the thing about this game that really shook out, and we'll, we'll go to fantasy football here in a minute just to recap Kentucky's John Wall season. You know, in a nutshell, the, the game plan for John Wall was to play defense against Joe Missoula. Now, who can't play defense against Joe Missoula, a little point guard for West Virginia? I mean, the guy shoots the, the ball twice a game, okay? And he doesn't have a right hand. He's left-handed, so all he does is drive left. I mean, the scouting report was really simple, and the way Doug Gallup put it, it was one of two things. Either John Wall was too stupid to read the scouting report, or he's just too lazy. And either one of those reasons allowed Joe Missoula to score 17 on John Wall to take down and cut those nets down to make the Final Four, and, and that just does not deserve to be the number one pick in the draft, Mike. No, uh, I, I totally disagree. 17 John points Wall. in the game. 17 points in a game can be done at any time, coming off screens. that's A lot of them were coming off of screens. Uh, Missoula, I love I love his intensity. I love the way he plays. Uh, but there was a lot of them. A lot of those points were coming off screens. And let's face it, John Wall, uh, he was not at his A game. But, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't because he was too stupid or didn't know what he was doing. Well, the – the NBA has a propensity for drafting these. Uh, they've had a lot of success lately with the guards, Derrick Rose, um, some of these guys that have been Rondo. Rondo. Yeah, they've had Rondo. a lot of success. So we can see John Wall. But Cousins might, uh, might surprise you. And there's, uh, there's several big, talented big men there that uh, might be that first pick. Okay, enough basketball with the final four set. We'll see what happens this weekend. We've got baseball kicking off, Mike. I know you were just in a draft. Uh, was that today or yesterday or is that is that coming up this weekend? No, that that was today. I I was uh, able to get obviously pool holes with the uh, number one pick, and uh, I was able to wheel around with uh, Tulowitzki, which I had hoped I would get, and uh, I was able to get him. And then uh, got Brad Hop and uh, a couple others. 
so I, I was pretty happy. I, I mean, I was very happy with it. Uh, it was just a 12-team, uh, 17-team draft, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I felt real good about it. And I'm, you know, looking forward to baseball. And for uh, for your listeners out there, uh, I'm going to start uh, posting some picks. It's going to be after the first couple weeks of the year. I want I want to let all the pitchers go through the rotation. I would say, uh, two, you know, two, three times. And then uh, I might post a pick or two, uh, especially on FFPC. If everybody, uh, friends of the show, last year listened to the show and watched the message boards over at FFPC, they saw Mike giving out his picks, and it was one of the best, hottest runs we've seen in prognostication in quite a while, Mike. I think you went 17 in a row or something just absolutely silly. Uh, pick after pick after pick, week after week. You know, sometimes you go 2-0 and in a night, 1-0. and You weren't playing every single night, but every every once in a while we'd see one of those picks pop up. And for those of you that went on the ride with us, we made quite a killing off those picks. And so we're hoping that Mike can put something else yeah. together this year. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, Scott. Uh, I was able to go uh, – I went uh, ten and one, and then I rattled off uh, eight more to go eighteen and one, and then ended up going twenty-two and one. And it was just, uh, you know, it was a pick here, a pick there. It wasn't uh, every day, like you said. It was just, uh, and a lot of them were uh, either minus one ten or plus one fifteen or uh, plus one twenty. You know, it wasn't the minus one eighty teams that you like, you know, the big, big favorites, it was uh, one of the uh, kind of middle ground where you can make a little money. And uh, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of luck with it, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to doing that again. But uh, let's uh, let's get rolling on with football. It takes a little luck in those, and it, uh, we will be re- debuting and returning uh, the knock-you-off-your-computer-chair picks by Mike Trent uh, in baseball season for all the uh, – for all the guys needing a little bit of action. Okay, let's get on with the uh, National Football League. Uh, there's a lot of things going on here, Mike. It sounds like the Raiders are stepping up in the McNabb Derby. Philadelphia has requested a top 42 pick in the NFL draft, Mike. The Raiders are sitting at 39. The Buffalo Bills are at 41. Uh, and they may ask for a little bit more. Philly is at least asking for one of those picks. If you're um, Donovan McNabb, uh, neither situation is a good one. Where do you think he lands? Do you think he goes to the Raiders, the Bills, or do you think he stays with Philly? Well, right now, uh, Philly is in a great situation because they have put out feelers, and they're saying, we're going to shop Donovan, and, you know, that's the way it is, and they're going to get the best offer. If they don't get anything close to what they're wanting, they're going to keep him. Donovan McNabb may end up being the starting quarterback for Philadelphia in the first part of September. It's yet to be seen. It's yet to be seen. And I tell you, I, I have this feeling, and it sounds like from all reports, Al Davis is willing to pay the price. Now, somebody mentioned something tonight, Mike, and I think I think it might have been you, but we were talking, and, and somebody brought up a team that would just it would be fantastic to see him go there. With Mike Singletary in San Francisco, Mike uh, seeing McNabb throw to Crabtree and Vernon Davis, that would be that would be uh, an instant playoff contender, don't you think? With that defense, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, actually, I brought that up to you uh, earlier today, Scott. Th- that would be very interesting uh, if San Francisco wants to make a serious run 
with a guy like Crabtree already in place, uh, a guy like Frank Gore, you know, you've got, I mean, you solidified your offense right there. And then you throw in McNabb because, let's face it, San Francisco needs help at quarterback. You throw in McNabb right there, a leader, a real leader that uh, a Crabtree might need. Uh, and Vernon Davis, I mean, come on. And, and their defense is very, very good. Uh, you know, this is a team that could uh, – they, they could contend, and one thing about it is Mike Singletary, he's going to make sure that these guys are on the same field, on the same playing level. You know, egos and everything aside, he's going to make sure that everything is okay, and it could be scary if, if McNabb was to, uh, and his agent was to uh, explore the uh, San Francisco option, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I still think he's going to end up being an eagle. It's a good scenario to talk about. I'd like to see it happen as well. But from all accounts, it sounds like if it's not Philly, then it's going to be the Raiders or the Bills. sounds like the only two teams that are really in the hunt right now uh, to go for them. Obviously, both situations are are bad situations for uh, quarterbacks right now. But the offensive lines aren't uh, in, in terrible shape there. So, you know, it could be a situation where, McNabb could make uh, make the take those teams and turn them around a little bit. I saw some odds on on the Raiders at 150 to one, and and somebody talked about maybe throwing a future on those guys and maybe trying to flip that over if they make the playoffs or something. But I don't know. I, I uh, it, that that division is is uh, I guess you could say up for grabs. But well, you know why why division. is it up for grabs? Why is it up for grabs? Because you've got you've got a running back in Michael Bush that is going to make a serious impact for the Raiders. And if you're a dynasty owner of Michael Bush, you got to be loving life right now, I'm telling you. And uh, the reason I say that is because of their spread-type offense because McFadden is going to be more of a wide receiver. And if, if McNabb does come to the Oakland Raiders, man, that opens up everything. That opens up the whole artillery for what they got. And, uh, you know, the Raiders, you know – like Al Davis says, it's the greatness of the Raiders. But uh, you know, they could be back to where they uh, the prominence that they uh, have always been. Let's take a call from the eight one six. We do have uh, phone lines open now three four seven three two four five four zero four eight one six. You're on the air with Red versus Blue. Hey guys, love the show. Tony Sicotta here. Get you guys on while I'm watching a pitcher's duel in exhibition baseball of Matt Kane and Brett Anderson. But you know what? This whole situation is crazy. I think he's definitely back in Philly because no one can give up a top 42 pick for Don McNabb who can walk away at season's end. And if I'm McNabb, I'm not agreeing to a long-term contract. I'm going to give it to Philly. I'm going to stick it to him for signing me to a one-year contract the year before. And I know Brett Favre will be done the year after, so I know the Vikings are going to want me the year after. I'm going to play it out. And uh, unless Al Davis and his crazy jumpsuit get a little crazy, they're the only team that could possibly do it. Well, I told it. Fantasy Pros 911 joining Red versus Blue. This is an absolute treat for us, buddy. So uh, you're saying that Donovan McNabb will be an Eagle, Mike? Do you agree with that? Yes or no? Yeah, I t- I, I totally agree. Uh, every every statement you just said, uh, I totally agree with that because there's very few that are going to open up the checkbook. Uh, Al Davis is the one that could. Uh, the other big money, big market uh, teams that would want to. 
They're not going to. I mean, you know, you talk about Dallas Cowboys or anything like that. I mean, there's no other team out there that's going to open up the checkbook. The only team is Oakland. And what they're going to want for McNabb and what they're, what they're going to have to give up, it's not going to be enough. And uh, Philadelphia is in a pretty good situation here because they got Kevin Cobb. And Kevin Cobb, I mean, he, he proved himself in two or three games. He's no Donovan McNabb, don't get me wrong. But he's proven himself enough to where Philly is sitting right now. McNabb is just, he's right there for him. So they can do whatever they want and whenever they want. So uh, I, I'm with you. He's going to stay in Philly. Tony Sincata, Fantasy Pros, 911.com. Tony, now that you're here, you can talk a little bit of Donovan McNabb, but and only the way you can do, give us a little something for the baseball fans that are joining us tonight before we go off to high stakes football, something on Derek Jeter, some, something that the, the fans can, can, can listen to tonight. Uh, you know, I'm all fired up. Sunday night we start with Beckett and CC Sabathia. As we never miss the Yankees and Red Sox for the rest of the country, they've got to be killing themselves, but they keep watching. It's interesting. I'm watching this game tonight, and a lot of people are talking about their drafts, and I heard you mention you drafted. Matt Cain is one of those guys that gets no respect. He's pitching tonight for the Giants. Pitches in a great ballpark. Uh, all pitches gets 175, 185 strikeouts. But the average fan sees a, a losing record every year because the Giants have no offense. We know we don't chase wins in fantasy baseball. A guy like Matt Cain is a great number two pitcher for all you people out there. That's good. That's good. And I was able to get uh, Ellsbury, too. And Jacoby Ellsbury is going to be nice. When you talk about, you know, everybody tries to get 75 home runs and 75 stolen bases in your first three picks. And if you can nail Ellsbury in the second round, right there you get 70 stolen bases. So just grab those home run guys. Yeah. Tony, I know you're going to be live on the air Sunday night at 10 p.m. Make sure you check out Fantasy Pros 911 here on Blog Talk Radio. Make sure you check him out, Tony Sincata, Fantasy, uh, Fantasy Pros 911. Thanks, Tony, for joining us, buddy. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tony. Man, that, was, uh, that was a real treat to hear from Tony. He's breaking down Donovan McNabb. And I don't know. It's, uh, like you said, Philly's in a good position. I like what Kevin Cobb brings to the table. I think it's a good time to – to get you another first round, it doesn't sound like anybody, any of the top teams are going to come off, come off that elite pick. I think you'll see the Rams maybe take a Sam Bradford or something like that. You'll probably see some of the some of those top teams that need a quarterback passing. You know, Cleveland kind of made made their bed right now with uh, Jake DeLome, and I just don't see it happening with one of those top high picks. But you get into that second round with the Bills and the Raiders, I think you could see it happen. And Philly's in good shape with Kevin Cobb. They've got. A great future of wide receivers with Macklin and Selleck and Deshaun. They're, they're going to be fine. It sounds like they're going to, they're going to need a little bit of a running back uh, help to LaShawn McCoy. I don't think they're ready to give the reins quite over. Matter of fact, Mike, I heard they were interested in Jonathan Dwyer, uh, a, a top college prospect. So I'm not so sure that they're really sold on LaShawn McCoy carrying the load, but uh, they brought in Mike Bell. Mike, uh, the Eagles, like you said, they're in good shape. Yeah, I, I think they are, and, you know, it's kind of scary. Uh, I don't see, uh, you know, I don't see anything stopping uh, Philadelphia and Dallas from uh, doing something out of that division, but, uh, you know, they set themselves up, and uh, the one thing about it, and the one thing that I keep harping on over and over again is you set yourself, you set your team up, and you go through rotations, but Andy Reid is the backbone of that team. Andy Reid is a coach that players love 
and they they may love to hate sometimes, but they love him, and 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 they they buy into what he does, and you know, he does no wrong in my opinion. All right, let's let's keep it moving, Mike. Uh, you know, like I said, that um, the Rams are looking at Sam Bradford, taking a very hard look at him. That could be the future of their franchise, and they're also looking at troubled wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Now, Mike, everybody's been kind of looking. See, the Seahawks have kind of been in the lead, I guess you could say, uh, for his services. Nobody seems to want to give that first first round draft pick. It, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Those demands by Denver. Don't look like they're going to be met, but Seattle, I guess, is still in the front runner. And then I hear the rumor is that Mark Sanchez on Brandon Marshall's birthday gave him a call to wish him happy birthday to kind of woo him over to the Jets. They're they're kind of getting into this game a little late, Mike. But you know, where do you see Brandon Marshall uh, showing up for next year? Well, wherever he shows up, he's going to make an impact. Brandon Marshall is a big time player. But he, he has to make an impact, and he has to be on a team that uh, they can keep him grounded, Brandon Marshall grounded, because th- let's face it, this guy has tremendous talent, tremendous talent, but he has to be grounded. He has to understand his role and just continue to go through it. He might have games where he, he's going to have, you know, 10 receptions for 200 yards. He might have games where he's going to have two receptions for 20. He's got to understand his role in whatever situation he, he's going to be in. And I don't know what situation that is. Uh, you know, we're talking about San Francisco again. Uh, could that be it? You know, I, he, he's going to have to have a coach that's going to have to make him understand the situation and keep him grounded. Three four seven three two four five four zero four. We're talking about uh, the NFL, and, and we're getting ready to talk. About, uh, have a segment on high stakes fantasy football. Some of the leagues that are going through some financial issues are causing ripple effects in the industry. It's been going on for a couple of years now, and it seems to continue. Mike, uh, we'll be pulling that off here at uh, half past the hour. Uh, Mike, we've also got some news here. Willie Parker signs a three million dollar deal. At 30 years of age, or 29, he's going to be 30 here in the season in November, with the Redskins. Now, Mike, you've got Larry Johnson over 30. You've got Clinton Portis nearing 30. You've got Willie Parker nearing 30. You've got a three-headed monster running back. What in the world is Snyder thinking? Uh, Willie Parker could surprise some. Uh, you know, he surprises before, but what is going on with Washington? Well, I, <laughs> Snyder, I mean, he's got an open checkbook. We know that. Uh, and the fact that uh, Washington, they just pretty much said, okay, we're going to do whatever we can, whenever we can, and uh, I don't see Willie Parker making a fantasy impact as far as, you know, you know, if you're talking high-stakes fantasy football, I do not see Willie Parker making a fantasy impact. Now, okay. he can come back and bite me in the butt, and he can come back and, you know, Get uh, you know if uh, Clinton Portis goes down and whatever, I mean he come back and be a stud running back, but I don't see it happen. I, to me, it's insignificant. Well, uh, you know you you need uh, you, you need to have more than one back in uh, on your team these days, and and it doesn't sound like uh, in the Washington situation that Campbell's really gonna be part of the plan. It, it doesn't sound like they're interested in re-signing Darren. Uh, Jason Campbell, and so 
I heard that Colt McCoy might be a consideration for the Redskins this year. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. They've got one Colt, Colt Brennan, and you bring in Colt McCoy. And, just, and what do you do here if you're the Redskins fans? I mean, you're, you're sitting here just watching that team just kind of been going through the motions the last couple of years and not really have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. And that's, if you're a Washington Redskins fan, you're a loyal, diehard fan. That's the only thing that matters to you. And, and I guess you're back to the square one saying, let's make the playoffs. That's a, that's, a, that's a good goal for the next couple of years. But if you bring in a rookie quarterback and you're bringing in Willie Parker to be your running back, man, yeah. playoffs look like they're a, a, a far, far cry away. Well, to me, that's going in opposite directions. Uh, I mean, you, you, you're making no sense there uh, if you do that. But Dan Snyder, uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes he makes no sense in what he does. But he's, he's obviously been ex- been successful in what he's done, but uh, I don't I don't believe in 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 his uh, situational calls as far as uh, profile players. So I don't know. Lance, Lance in the chat room, Mike. Lance wants us to move on, so we are going to listen to our fans, and we aren't moving on. Uh, Mike, I tell you, I think kickers are a little underrated. I'm a Jets fan. You know, everybody knows I'm a Jets fan. They had a chance to counter the offer for Jay Feely. And they let him go to Arizona, and here you go. Mike, nobody talks about kickers, but I'll tell you, as a fan, you, when you have a kicker that kicks it through the uprights from 40, from 39, from 45, from 46, that means something. And it's made quite a difference, especially when you have a team like the Jets who aren't offensive-oriented you're playing field position. You need to capitalize on those three points. And here you go. You let, you let go one of the MVPs on the team. I don't, I don't think it was a wise move. I think kickers are underrated. They don't get enough love. And, and Jay Feely, God bless you, man. Good luck in Arizona. Uh, no comment. The, the, yeah, I'm. I'm here. I, I was listening to the crickets. <laughs> hey, hey, Jay Feely, I'm telling you, is an underrated kicker. Okay, let's move on. Sproles, Darren Sproles, just a while ago today, he signs the one-year, seven-point-two million-dollar deal that the Chargers tendered him, the restricted free agent. Mike, he had less than six years of experience, so he had that RFA tender, uh, that if another team wanted to sign him, Mike, they would have had to have given up a first and a third-round pick. And, and look, nobody's going to give up that for Darren Sproles. Uh, Sproles signed a one-year $7.2 million deal for the Chargers. It's, but, but it sounds like they are in the look uh, in the hunt for a, a rookie running back out of this draft, Mike. Maybe Ryan Matthews. Yeah, Ryan Matthews uh, looks good. I, I, I looked at him, and uh, I've been pulling up the stats. And, you know, they're going to continue to reload uh, just kind of like Denver does, uh, well, used to do with their running backs. They're going to reload and, uh, you know, continue to move forward with running backs because they know, just like you said earlier in the show, Scott, it's it's not a one running back uh, team anymore. I mean, you you have to reload. You have to be ready. Uh, you know, every running back, your second running back is going to get 10 to 12 carries, and that's the way it is. And, and the general sentiment in the chat room, and I agree, I, I just think the 7.2 million is way too much, uh, in my opinion. So, Mike, um, well, I, we're all, you know what? I don't. Ahead. I don't. I don't. And the reason it, it's an insurance policy on your team because you never know when the when the starter goes down. That that seems like a lot of money. That that you know, it, it, and it really is. Especially when the collective bargaining agreement starts uh, kicking in uh, next year. 
I mean, it seems like a lot of money, but not really. That's an insurance policy. And so, you know, it's just my take on it. Well, Mike, we are we are getting some uh, some some talk in the chat room. They want us to talk about the high stakes league, and so we're gonna we're gonna start up with that segment here. We also later in the show we're gonna do our team one and team two segment that we debuted last week, uh, where we di- we highlight right. some of the recent dynasty trades to give you guys a feel for what kind of trades are going on in dynasty leagues all across America. Uh, team one and team two. And we're also going to talk a little bit about one of the uh, – we've been doing a dynasty profile each and every week on this rookie draft. And uh, let's see, we've done Dez Bryant, we've done C.J. Spiller, we've done David Best, uh, we've done Ryan Matthews, Mike. This week we're going to do a, a little bit on Aurelius Ben from Illinois. So we will be doing that a little bit later. But let's jump to the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And we have news uh, that's really troubling, Mike. We've had these stories for the last couple of years. You've been involved and you've heard about them. Uh, first, we had the AFFL, which went belly up and, and vanished. We had Fantasy Jungle the year after that, which, again, Scott and Mike got us confused quite a bit. They went belly up and vanished with people's money. You, you had the formation of the FFPC, which guaranteed player prize money, which has been a, a fantastic thing for this industry, and they've been doing a great job for us uh, and for, for players all across the country. And they're asking about it in the chat room right now. You've got the NFFC doing a great job, always makes their payouts. You've got the World Championship of Fantasy Football, the big dogs on the block, which have had their issues with payouts and, and, and late payouts, but still have always paid. And now you've got uh, another story, Mike, where the FFOC, one of the biggest contests to ever come through, were backed by some big players, apparently. They had a million-dollar top prize that Shane Schroeder won back in 2008. And then 2009 comes along, another winner crowned, a million dollars richer. It sounds to me like they're having some payout and financial issues, Mike, where, wow. again, the players aren't being paid. And it's, it's a little quiet at this point. It's at the early stages. Uh, but here it comes again, Mike, is rearing its ugly head. When will these contests learn that the prize pool has to be escrowed? Well, you know, that's too bad. And uh, I just hope that it gets, uh, you know, it gets uh, – settled real quick uh as far as the payouts and everything uh you know we don't want to uh we don't want to point fingers at those uh that haven't paid but you know if if they haven't then there's a real problem uh and that's why we uh you know well I shouldn't say we but that's why I do personally uh I do my affiliation with the uh FFPC and uh you know, M- NFFC. I mean, these guys. You know, you know, you know what you're going to get. But uh, I just hope that this gets uh, resolved soon, Scott, because it's too bad. Well, I have. Uh, you know, there were some there were some issues. Uh, the fanball name came up in in one of the posts uh, here a while ago, and we 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 wanted to look into that, and we have it on good authority uh, that. Fanball's uh, interaction with the FFOC has no bearing whatsoever on the NFFC and the NFBC, those two main contests, uh, Greg Ambrosius, Tom Kucinich, uh They've been uh, champion in that, that league for quite some time now, and they've always paid winners, had no problem. Their payouts have not been out of line. So, you know, people try to put the word fanball in that story, and, and there may be some connection there. That's, that's uh, Ryan Houston's... Uh, uh, baby there, and he's came on and and apparently purchased the the NFFC, and they have a 
a cooperative uh, agreement now that um, they do. Uh, they're looking well, to do these things. But I mean, you know, it, NFFC and Fanball, I mean, they're pretty much together right now. NFBC uh, and Fanball, they are together. Yeah, and, and and I guess the issue was that now that there is some link and connection to Fanball and FFOC, Fanball uh, apparently runs the back end, which is basically you know the league site and the man league site management and payout uh, system for the FFOC. And since there's a connection there, and somebody didn't make a payment, uh, the, or or they or FFOC didn't pay Fanball there, the money owed to them. Now there's that's what's sparking these rumors and these connections. And so then that's what people, but but I have it on good authority that the NFFC is in no question whatsoever. There's a, there's there's no issues with the NFFC at this point. Um, and so I, I think that uh, if, if you if you know anything about red versus blue, we have been the voice for high stakes fantasy football for the last two years. Um, we have it on all the big players. We have it on the owners of the World Championship. The owners of the FFPC are here all the time. They're in the chat room tonight. We have uh, we've had Greg on, we've had Ryan Houston on, we've had all the guys uh, on this show, and so you know if well, the you, you want to look at you know on this show we're you know we may if if there are problems then we're gonna uh, address them we're gonna address them and uh, but the one the one thing that you do very well is you know we normally get the owners the owners of them. Uh, all those organizations, and we address them with them, and uh, it's worked out really well. Uh, so, I, I don't want to see any problem with uh, any payout problems, uh, this and that. But uh, you know, we're we're ready to address uh, any problem that comes forward, though, because uh, high stakes, uh, high stakes fantasy, uh, football, baseball, whatever. You, I mean, it, it's a serious deal, and it, it, but it's fun too. And we we want to make it fun and keep it fun, and we want to make sure that everybody gets paid out you know right. Yeah, and if you have questions, you know we've got some owners in the chat room. We've got a good discussion going on here at the crew at Red versus Blue. I know there's a lot of you that come and listen to the show. I see the numbers every week, where there's lots of you that are in the show and you're not in the chat room. Come on in the chat room and get engaged with some of these with some of this conversation that's going on, because if you have questions, there's usually somebody in the chat room, if not me or myself during the show, uh, some of the other guys that have been veterans of the high-stakes industry, they can come, you can ask your questions, you can get them answered here in the chat room. It's as good a place as any to get unbiased information about all the leagues that are out there. Now, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap this story up. We still want to talk a little bit about ASFL, uh, and we're going to have some continuing stories there, but uh, we'll be right back in about 60 seconds. Hi, this is Greg Kellogg. You know the routine. It's Friday night. You're looking over your lineup. It's either Lavernius Coles versus the Browns or Lance Moore versus the Falcons. I'm a serious fantasy player, and regular fantasy advice just won't do. I need to know, without a doubt, that the fantasy advice I'm getting makes sense. That's why I listen to Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. Catch Scott Atkins in the Red vs. Blue Crew chat room every Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for those difficult-to-make lineup decisions. I'll be there. Will you? In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. 
I can't wait for that movie to come out this summer. The A-Team returns uh, with a star-studded cast. Liam Nielsen, Jessica Biel, uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson is the one Sergeant Bosco, B.A. Baracus. Looking forward to the A-Team and uh, watching that movie. I'm a big big movie buff, and that's, uh, that's going to be a good favorite of mine uh, this summer, 2010. Movies bore me. I know, you're not a big movie guy, man. Are, I've, got, I've recommended so many movies to you before, and you're like, eh, nah. No, 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 They bore me. They bore me. I, I've walked out of so many movies. There's about uh, two or three movies that, stand, that stick in my mind, and they're, uh, they're mindless entertainment to me. <laughs> it's just the way I am. There was a Matthew McConaughey movie. I, the name escapes me, Mike. I told you to get it. It's a it's a it's a gambling movie, and he and he is a um. I know a, two, two, two for the money. Two for the money. That's right. Two for the yeah. money. That's, I'm telling you, you gotta watch that movie because that's what you've always wanted to do all your life is give up. I give know. Up and it's got Al Pacino in it. I mean, man, it's it's a great movie. You've got to check that out. I know you're not a movie guy, but man, that's. I mean, come on, that's, that's you. That's what you've always wanted to do. So. Well, I, I, I love Wall Street, I love Outlaw Josie Wells, and I love the Blues Brothers. Now, how sick am I? Man, Wall Street <laughs> 2 is coming out. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I, like, I, uh, do, I do want to see that. Michael Douglas is getting out of prison for some kind of insider trading or whatever, and they're like, okay, here's your. Uh, you can check out the uh, trailer on YouTube. And they go, one wallet, you know, they're checking him out of prison, one uh, set of keys, one money clip and one cell phone, yeah. and they set the cell phone up on the table, and it's one of those tall ones that's about a foot long with a long antenna on it. He's been in there so long. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, you were listening to Scott Atkins and Michael Trent of Red vs. Blue, high-stakes fantasy football radio. Uh, we're bringing you all the news every Sunday night at 11 o'clock Eastern, thanks to thefantasysportschannel.com. You can download our podcast on uh, iTunes. Excuse me, I'm getting these, uh, these, these springtime allergies, man. It's making it tough. Um, but we have the uh, iTunes podcast. You can subscribe to that. Just click the subscribe button on our show page. Please make sure you make us mark us a friend or a favorite on Ball Talk Radio. We won't bombard you with emails. We'll only send you one email every week. It'll be an hour before our show just to remind you that our show is coming on live. And uh, just to give you that update on what the show is about, if you want to check us out, come on in. We're always going to be talking high-stakes fantasy football. We talk dynasty football in the offseason. And, Mike, it's time for our segment on the player profile of Aurelius Ben. Now, I've been giving you these notes. If you're a dynasty player, get your pen out, get your pencils out, get your notepad ready, and take some notes on Aurelius Ben. Nothing you can't get probably off of, uh, off of the Internet yourself, but he's 6'1", 219. He's ran anywhere from a 4.04 to a 4.3540 at some of these workouts, Mike. So he's got some blazing speed. He really goes up for the ball. He's, he, he goes over the middle and makes the tough catches. He's anywhere right now between wide receiver three and seven. Some people had him as high as two in the discussion with Des Bryant before his his junior year, which was really just an absolute catastrophe, Mike. He had an ankle injury early in the season, and he. He had less than 500 yards and two touchdowns, but this kid has all the tools of a legit playmaker that translates to the NFL. Now, he does have the bust factor. He could go the complete opposite direction and, and not make it, but he, they, they say he's in the clone of a Pierre Garçon mold. Uh, he, had a, he had a quarterback that you couldn't really fault him for, Juice Williams, okay? 
that, that's not a quarterback you really want throwing you the ball at Illinois. Um, right. Well, I, I'm looking at stats right now, and uh, you said uh, in, 2000, in 2009 he was uh, at 490 yards receiving, right? Yeah, yeah, 38 catches, two touchdowns. Yep. Um, the year before that, obviously, he was uh, he was stud. So what? Why is he going to be better? Do yeah, what? But he, he was he was Big Ten Freshman of the Year, Mike. That's how good he was. He his freshman year he went for fifty four and six hundred and seventy six yards. He has elite size and strength. He can he can easily beat the jam when it comes to him at, at, at the line. He's a uh, he, he's a type of guy that that I could see making some big moves if he ends up in a Dallas uh, situation. It sounds like he's already visited the Cowboys. Uh, sounds like they're interested. He might even be a second rounder, maybe to the Chiefs or something. I don't know. Having Dwayne Bow on one side and Aurelius Ben on the other, I think it could be a nice connection. Uh, you know, add another weapon for Matt Castle. One thing about it, Scott, in his best year, uh, 67 receptions, 1,055 uh, receiving yards. Three TDs. That's it. Three TDs. Yeah. yeah I, I need something better than that. You're, you're not talking about a, a a quarterback that's been able to get him the ball in Juice Williams. That's for sure. Uh, you can look at Juice Williams' stats, and, and, and that will reveal everything you need to know about Juice Williams. But, uh, you know, there there are some signs that uh, he, he could go anywhere, like I said, from about three to seven on the year. Um I, I, I could see maybe, you know, he's in the mold of also a Braylon Edwards. I could see maybe the Jets, if, if you know, Braylon only has one year left on his contract, maybe go ahead and, and, and draft an Aurelius Ben at the end of the first round. So he's talking but, about a number two wide receiver for years. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. He, he he definitely has elite upside, Mike. We're just going to have to wait and see. If you were oh, in the middle upside. of the first round, you're sitting in the middle of the first round with like a seven or an eight or a nine, somewhere in that range. You could do a lot worse than really a stand as far as a project. Uh, a lot of people said the same things about Brandon Marshall, that he had this this ability to, to play in the mold of a T.O. And, you know, coming in his last year of college, it wasn't very impressive, came into the draft, wasn't very impressive, didn't have a great workout, got drafted, I think, in the third round or something like that. And then he let the, set the world on fire. Like sometimes, you know, your your last year, and again, the ankle injury can be nagging, especially for a wide receiver. If you if you suffered early in the season, you can, you know, he, it didn't look like he ever rebounded. So you just have to keep your eye on really. I'm just throwing out devil's advocate. Uh, you know what I see out of 2008, and then the downfall out of 2009, and I'm I'm looking at it, but. Uh, uh, might have a good feel on him, and uh, you know, a lot of times you're right. So, uh, you know, I, you know, for everybody that's out there listening in the chat room, uh, write it down. Write it down. I, yeah. I'm not going to buy into it, but write it down. About, I know who you want to talk about. You want to talk about Demarius Thomas, and we're going to do that next week here on Red versus that's Blue. Great. So, write it down. Demarius Thomas. Michael. Michael be bringing up Demarius Thomas. Yep. He'll give his take. I'll give mine. The other wide receiver in this draft that's head and shoulders above the rest, Mike is Des Bryant. He visited Miami this week on Thursday, and Miami has the 12 pick, Mike. Now, that's about as high as I could see him going, but Miami, man, they already made that reach a couple years ago for Ted Ginn, and that was just a terrible pick. This is the type of player that can really transform your offense and really give Ted Henney somebody that he, they can really count on at wide receiver. Could you see Des Bryant going to Miami? And if so, 
If you're a Miami fan, does this bring you back to prominence? Well, you know, I can see Des Bryant going wherever he goes. He's going to be a winner, and I already see that out of that kid. Uh, it doesn't matter. He's like, look, just give me the ball. Just give me the ball. And, uh, you know, it could be Miami, and, uh, you know, it could be wherever. But uh, it, it, it screams Miami right now. Yeah, well, well, we'll see if they take the plunge. They've got their own issues, Mike. Ronnie Brown with a DUI, like, twice over the legal limit. He's a free agent running back. I think Ricky Williams is, too. They have a, a slew of running backs that are free agents. Yeah. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but, Mike, there's a lot of free agents out here. I'm looking at, I'm looking at you know, running back Ronnie and, you know, Jerome Harrison, Jamal Lewis is maybe with New Orleans. Pierre Thomas is still an RFA. Leon Washington still isn't. Isn't with the team yet? Westbrook still out there? Lendale and Caddy? That's a lot of running backs still on the market to to possibly be stolen away, Mike. Well, a lot of things are going to shake shake into place. Uh, I would say right before draft time, or just right after the draft. Uh, a lot of those players you just mentioned, and you know that's just the way you know that's just the way the business works. Uh, but. We all we also have to remember, like I've talked about in shows past, uh, the collective bargaining agreement and uh, seeing what's going to happen with that. But uh, you know, most of those players they're going to resign with their teams. And yeah, they'll be fine. You would think so. The wide receivers that are still out there that haven't gotten a deal done yet. Miles Austin is 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 probably highlighting those along with Brandon Marshall, uh, Vincent Jackson, right up there at the top, Mike. Um, Malcolm Floyd, both wide receivers for San Diego. I mean, you can't you can't let LT go and not re-sign Vincent Jackson and Malcolm Floyd. You have to give those guys the cash, man. I would, you know, Scott. I've I've, I've got Malcolm Floyd on a on one of my dynasty teams, and I'm having a real hard time with this guy. I don't know what to do with him. Is he what trade value is he? Or you know, I'd love to have somebody call in and. You know, I'm I'm reaching now. I'm reaching with Malcolm Floyd. Well, he's, you're not the only one. Again, there's other wide receivers out there that have yet to be signed. Mark Clayton, Lavernius Coles, Terrell Owens, Torrey Holt, all those guys are kind of nearing the end of their careers. And, and, and to be honest with you, Holt is probably done for good. I think Owens probably has one year left probably with some team. Uh, it, he's got to go somewhere because he hasn't announced. I mean, I mean, unless we see a retirement message this summer, you got to think that, that Owens is going to end up somewhere. No telling where. The Bills signing was completely out of the blue uh, for Terrell Owens. Mike, let's finish up this high-stakes discussion again. Uh, remember, we talked about AFFL having their issues. We talked about the jungle going belly up. You've got FFOG concerns now. Mike, really, you've got three main options here. You've got the World Championship of Fantasy Football. You've got the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And you've got the National Fantasy Football Championship, NFFC. FFPC and WCFF as the only three respected names left. I think there's another contest up in the Northeast, the Roto Bowl, that, that people have said good things about. But really the three big contests are those three. And only one of those three escrows their prize funds, and that's the FFPC. I have to think that's, got, that's going to be an expected and yet demanded piece for high-stakes players to expect out of the contest. If you want to get paid, if your money, the prize pool has to be an escrow, Mike. That that seems like a necessity these days. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you know it's going to happen. Uh, 
we've been uh I've been lucky enough to uh meet Dave and uh, Alice he's been on the show and uh you know you know just talking to Dave one on one uh from the FFPC I mean it, it's it's first class it's first class all the way and you know what you're going to get uh the uh NFFC uh I like it I like it but you know when we go to Chicago uh I've never been to the uh WCOFF, but, uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, FFPC and Dave and Alex and what they do, uh, it's it's first class because, like you said, they escort, and, man, that means a lot. Mike, we also had, um, you know, Ryan Houston went on record talking about the million-dollar grand prize uh, for the Fantasy Football Open Championship. Uh, he, he had mentioned that Fanball was honored to be part of that uh, of that contest, and you know they they are a part in some way, but they're not. Uh, I believe I, I don't have enough details. Uh, I don't believe that I've, I've heard or seen any story that they were actually involved in as, as contest ownership. I just know for I just know that they were involved in the back end. So until we have more details, we're going to have to just kind of you know uh, wait wait for that news to come in. We'll hope to have some more information next week to a to have for our players yeah. and maybe to release on the site. But for well, right Scott, now, I, I know we only got a few minutes left, but I, I just want to say that I hope that uh, every fantasy organization runs it clean, runs it smart, and just uh, be friendly to everybody. And because it just it, it makes it makes the owners and of the organization better, and it makes everybody that's involved better. Yeah. And, and, and I have, and I can tell you right now on record, I have absolutely no fear whatsoever of losing my money in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I know the owners personally. Uh, these guys do, do not have huge expenses looming. They're not going after big names and trying to make the contest something that's not. It's a contest for high-stakes players. So, so that I can absolutely tell you. NFFC and World Championship I've also been involved with. I played them for years since the beginning, and they've never had a problem paying me. I've always been paid. Now, the only knock with the World Championship was that I got paid, it seemed like, a lot later in the year uh, than, than some of the other contests. NFFC, I was always paid. FFPC has always been the fastest to pay. When you when you talk about cash, they're number one in the books. There's no question about it. But it's some of these other contests have fell by the wayside, Mike, because they didn't manage the money. They took prize pool money and spent it on expenses, spent it on expansion to try to grow their brand. And that's a big, big mistake in this contest. If there's any of them out there that own those leagues, please, please call us uh, Red versus Blue, and we'll talk about it and get you on the show, and maybe we can uh, help help you market your what you're doing. Well, if you remember, we did the big show on the AFFL earlier this year, and I've extended – uh, I've extended an invitation to the AFFL to discuss what's going on this year. We hope to have a show finalized here in the next couple of weeks. But if you want to go back and listen to the archive, it was a show like none other. Mike, it's been the top-rated show for the last several yeah. months. Go back to the archive awesome. at blogtalkradio.com slash red versus blue. You'll find our archives and our show archives from earlier this year where we had on the owners of the AFFL, and they discussed their financial situation that there was no fear in, in, in paying payments of the winners. Now we've got some issues surfacing, but we don't know how bad they are as of yet. We don't have all the details, so I'm going to have those guys hopefully on the show to answer those questions and concerns here at a later date, Mike. It's just really unfortunate that we're even having this conversation, 
but it has to be had. We've got to get the information out. Mike, it's time for our segment, our newest segment, Team 1 or Team 2, where we break down drafts, uh, draft trades uh, in the world of dynasty football. For all you guys that are playing dynasty, for all you high-stakes guys playing dynasty, the FFPC has launched their own brand of dynasty football, high-stakes style, two different contests, one a $750 entry fee, the other a 1250 entry fee. Either one are, uh, are, are 12-man leagues with big-time prizes. Go to ffpc.com, myffpc.com, to check out all the information on the message boards about those contests. But here we go, Mike. The first trade I want to talk about with Steven Jackson for Beanie Wells and the 1-5 rookie pick. Now, we talked about the 1-5 rookie pick last week, Mike. That's maybe a Javid Best. That's, uh, that's maybe a Marty uh, uh, or a, <clears throat> a Toby Gerhardt, somebody like that. So you're giving up Steven Jackson, but you're getting Wells in a 1-5. Which side do you like, Team 1 or Team 2? Team 1. You like what Steven team one, Jackson Team, team 1 Steven gets Jackson. Wells. Basically, Team 1 gets Wells in the 1-5? Uh, the yep, yep. Yep, I'll take Team 1. And do you want to elaborate? I mean, obviously, Stephen Jackson is an elite talent, Mike. But are you are you saying that you don't like what Stephen Jackson brings to the table the next three years? Are you do you think no, he's no, going to during the next three years? What are you, what are you saying? Well, what I'm saying is uh, Stephen Jackson. He's a great talent. He's a wonderful talent, but he's on a losing team. Uh, the kid, no. I mean, I mean, he, he's just there's no way he's going to score more points in the next three years, versus Chris Wells and the 1-5. No way. Well, that's, that's two against one. I don't think that's quite fair. Steven Jackson has one position, though. Are you saying that Beanie Wells is going to outscore Steven Jackson the next three years, yes or no? Uh, I would say uh, if you – yeah, if you can compile it for the next three years, uh, I would say – uh, Chris Wells would score maybe just a little bit less, but you gotta you gotta remember that it's that one five pick. Which which am, yeah, I, am I correct know, on this? You never know what you're gonna do with that one five. Stephen Jackson is a perennial top five running back in the National Football League. When you're playing fantasy right. football, it doesn't get much better than a Stephen Jackson, especially if he has a ground game. Uh, Benny Wells looked good. I'll give you that. Four and a half yards of carry. Not really involved in the passing game, though. And, and when you're talking about these fantasy drafts, uh, most of these contests are going point per reception for the running backs, at least a point, uh, if not a point, or, or a half a point, at least a half a point. And, and so you're not getting much in the reception games. Mike, you love Tim Hightower. He's definitely going to contend for carries in that offense. Granted, Tim well, is going to go to a more balanced attack with, with Matt Leinart, but Steven Jackson's a guy that on a bad year is going to get you 50 catches. Tim Hightower, I mean, he he's made, he's made me a lot. He's made me a lot of money, let's face it. Uh, but uh, his day is done, and uh, Chris Wells, uh, he's not, you know, like you said, I mean, he's not going to care. He's not going to get a lot of receptions. But uh, the one thing about it is that 1-5 could offset and in five years down the road, Beanie Wells is going to be around. That one five is going to be around, and Stephen Jackson won't be. I still like. Uh, I, in, I, I take Team One. 
I like okay. wells on the okay. one side. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Some, some people, uh, it, your dynasty forecasts are, are get really difficult depending on how many years you go out, whether it be three years, four years, five years, heck, ten years. It depends yeah, on yeah, how and that's far funny, you Scott, go out that's yeah, you talk about that window, uh, you know, you, you and you know you have to understand the window. All right, here we go. The next, the next trade we're going to talk about. We've got time for one more, Mike. D'Angelo Williams and one five. Team one gives up D'Angelo Williams and one five. This is a blockbuster for Lashawn McCoy in one two. Mike, who wins? D. Will and one five for McCoy in one two. Team one or team two? Uh, I say uh, Team Two uh, makes out like a bandit. If you got if you got McCoy and one two versus D Will and one five, I'll take I'll take the kid and one toy. One two is that is that correct? If you if you think McCoy if you'd rather have McCoy and one two, you're saying that Team One wins this deal. Yes, Team One wins the deal. Heck yeah. So you would rather have the combination of McCoy and maybe C.J. Spiller rather than having D-Will in the 1-5? Yes, I would. I would. And the only reason, I'm looking, I'm, again, I'm looking for the future. And uh, McCoy and uh, like what, what we talked about earlier in the show, uh, Philly has, you know, they have a purpose. They have a reason for what they're doing. And uh, McCoy's going to be a part of it. And I would rather have McCoy in that 1-2 versus D. Will, who in, let's face it, in three years, he's done. Yeah, it's, that, that's a real tough one for me, Mike. I'm not real sold on LaShawn McCoy being uh, in the same league as D'Angelo Williams as far as a fantasy player. And 1-2 and 1-5, you know, right now everybody loves C.J. Spiller and or you're getting Des Bryant or C.J., so that's a pretty, pretty elite pick to have. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sold that McCoy in 1-2 is going to, to net a player of the caliber of D'Angelo Williams. So if you're going to give me D'Angelo and I'm going to get an extra pick out of the deal, I think I'd take team two. D'Angelo is still that good, and regardless, you know, you don't you don't see Jonathan Stewart D'Angelo being on the same team forever. I, I see maybe a draft day trade possibly going on with that team. We'll just have to see. But uh, well, I kind of like, like the G-Will in this one. That would be interesting, I, I a draft day trade uh, for D. Will, but uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, D. Will, I mean, he's a great, uh, he's a great talent. And, uh, you know, is there a big difference between the one, two and the one five? You know, it's kind of like your, your article on uh, dynasty guys, you know, and if everybody, if, you know, if any of you haven't checked it out, I mean, you need to check it out. Uh, what is the difference between the one five, uh, the one two, or the one one? How big? How important is that one one? So, yeah, you know, you definitely, know, definitely several rounds separate those two picks in initial dynasty yeah. draft right now. So, there's definitely there's definitely some value, perceived value, Mike. So that's all it is. It's perceived. You could you could hit jackpot with Maurice Jones Drew and Mike. I don't know if you were playing dynasty back then, but he was about the 12th pick of the draft, 12th, 13th pick. Wow. NJD, you know, limited for his size. So you never know where that player is going to come from. Mike, thanks again. We've got the final four this weekend here in Indianapolis. Go Bubba Bulldogs. Red versus Blue will be back next week. We'll see you there. You've been listening to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.
Everybody went to Zambia. We'll be seeing them in no time. Oh, yeah. 